Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the Review of the Year special for 2015. Way. 2015. Where the hell did that go? Um, hmm. Anyway, it was a good year. It was a very good year. Uh, lots of stuff came out. Lots of records were broken. We had a new Star Wars film. With all sorts of things. Uh, and here to help me discuss over the next hour or so, 2015 and all the cinematic glory are the man who was the star of the biggest film of 2015, Asterix, until The Force Awakens comes out, Edmund himself from Jurassic World, Nick Dissemblian. Edmund is here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe we got him. It's amazing. <laughs> I know, he was, he was hanging around outside. Just on the off chance we might do a podcast. Uh, Am I getting up, paid now or afterwards? Did you, do you want... we'll, we'll discuss it afterwards, okay. it's fine. Right. Do you want to get paid? Okay. Get real paid. Uh, next up is uh, our art house guru, um, Phil Dissemlian. How are you, sir? Hey, very good, thank you. So, and then last but not least is our geek queen, Helen O'Hara. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Fantastic, excellent, good to hear. And that's it for our review of the year <laughs> special. Um, Bye. Nick was obviously in Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. Oh. Barely. Phil and Helen, what film of this year would you like to have been in? I was kind of in a film, in the sense that I was on the set of Testament of Youth and I walked into frame on one of the shots. <laughs> so there's me, I've got, I'm definitely in it. <laughs> um, but the only other person in the frame was Alicia Vikander, so they probably picked up on it quite quickly. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Have you done that? Have you guys done that before? Walked into frame? No, yeah, that's I, massively, massively... You in know, fairness. I've, I've done that. In fair, I was ushered into frame yeah. to uh. do a surreptitious interview, which happened to be in the sort of medium shot. On the uh, on a set visit in Dublin on the Jackie Chan classic High Binders in 2001. I think I, we all remember that. I sat in a chair <laughs> and then watched with mounting horror as the camera slowly turned around to follow Jackie Chan and Lee Evans as he walked out of the room. Lo and behold, there's Muggins here right in the frame sitting going, hello, bangly bang. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, was, that wasn't great. You don't want to fuck up a Jackie Chan shot, do you really? Not if it's a slow motion and technologically advanced. <laughs> We're trying this for the first time. It should work. We spent six weeks preparing it. Who the have, hell is that? We he only have one f- shot of this, guys. <laughs> He broke four bones in the attempt as well, which which really got (laughs) him. All right, okay, so um, normally... And the film I would have liked... Oh, sorry, Helen, I thought thought we'd... we'd, uh, Sorry. (laughs) Unbelievable. I would say Avengers, but that's way too obvious, so I'm going to say The Martian, because I'd quite like to go into space. (laughs) Okay, you realise they didn't actually go into space, right? No, they did. Okay. Okay, over the next hour or so, we're going to be discussing our films of the year... And our moments of the year, and our characters of the year, and all that sort of all that jazz. Uh, but that's sort of a talk about the year itself. Where do we place 2015 in the in the pantheon? between two, 2016 and 2014? Oh, Phil, you're astoundingly literal as always. But <laughs> how do you how do you rate this year? Was it a good year? Was it another Russell Crowe Ridley Scott film? What what, what was it? <laughs> um, it was uh, Robin Hood. I, I feel it was uh, pretty solid, actually. It. it I think it had some moments of absolute brilliance and, as always, some big films that we hoped for lots from and, and they kind of underperformed. And then the ones that massively over-delivered, I, for one, had no excitement whatsoever about Mad Max. And then the trailer came out and I thought, oh, actually, this looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then the film came out and I was like, whoa, that was amazing. Uh, I didn't see that one coming even even remotely. Um so I think it's been a year of some surprises and some very unsurprising successes like 
you know, Star Wars. For me, it's a year with two nailed-on five-star classics, Mad Max and uh-huh. uh, Whiplash. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And I think after that, I was doing my t- putting my top ten list together, and after that, you start getting into kind of, oh, it could be this, it could be that. Mm. Actually, Inside Out, which the first time I saw it didn't make too much of an impact, and then I saw it again on a plane a couple of weeks ago. It destroyed uh-huh. me. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, definitely. So I think suddenly I'm reappraising that and thinking that's one of the year's that, best. That was my film of the year. I, I thought that was just stunningly intelligent storytelling and, and brilliant layering of, of theme and character and plot. Just, just brilliantly done. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, the stuff that I like in there, but I think those are the only ones which I can see myself watching over and over again. I think it was a pretty solid year. It felt for a while like it was going to be a bit humdrum, but then Mad Max came along and blew us all away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had Sicario, yeah. which was pretty excellent. I agree with Nick, the early part of the year, the Oscar stuff, there was some good, good, good things there. Birdman seemed to end up polarizing people, as did Fox, Foxcatcher. I like both those films yeah. to an extent. Whiplash, I thought, was the best of those. Economical and punchy, and it didn't hang around longer than it needed to, which is something that a lot of films these days seem to do. You mean so, it kept its tempo up? Oh. oh. Made it easy um, to drum up enthusiasm? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that, that didn't work. Are that's, you Russian or a dragon? <laughs> Am I Russian or a dragon? So that's the famous quote from the yes, film. Yes, it right? is. You're right. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Inside Out, I thought, was an absolute classic. I thought it was, if anything, potentially Pixar's best film. Ooh, I, bloody hell. I think that's, I think that's fair. I think once you got into the summer, things. I mean, they're, they're always most summer, big summer movies tend to disappoint, don't they? Most of them mm. are not what you want them to be. This was this summer better or worse in those times? I felt like it was a little bit better because Mad Max got us all off on such a big high to begin mm. with. Uh-huh. Um, the Avengers, I think. I think expectations were so high after the first one that it slightly disappointed people, but it is still, by any measure, a really good film. Um, I think we weren't Mm. expecting anything of Ant-Man, and it was much better than we feared. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think something like Mission Impossible Rogue Nation was significantly better than mm. than I think we'd we'd kind of seen. I liked, um, yeah, yeah, I I liked uh, also. You know, I thought this year was a fantastic year for spy movies. You know, there were so many of them. You you could throw. Uh, you know, throw a rock and you'd hit a, a man in a creepy <laughs> raincoat shuffling around a bridge somewhere. Uh, it, it felt like that. So it started off with what for me was one of the, the great surprises of the year. Uh, the utterly, absolutely insane Kingsman, The Secret Service, um, which I know because of certain reasons, certain <laughs> end shots, literally end shots, oh. um, might have got, you know, some people's blood up yep. in this booth. Yep. But uh, I just loved most of it. Uh, yeah, the, the the last shot is pretty unforgivable. <laughs> but um, I know what they were trying to do. And you could argue that they tried, they, they succeeded. But anyway, um, but the church scene, I just, uh, that made me, that was fantastic. And the scene with the exploding heads, uh, I think made me laugh harder than anything I've seen this year. <laughs> Yeah, just extraordinary. Then we had Mission Impossible, which I which I, I thought was great. Uh, Spy, I thought was very very funny. Yeah. Um, mm. Bond, I, I think it was a, an okay Bond, not a great Bond. Uh, Bridge yeah. of Spies was solid. Bridge of Spies, I really liked actually. And I think it's a, it's a really subtle film that I really look forward to seeing again mm. and, and probably again because you know Spielberg fangirl over here. Um, and Man from Uncle, I actually really liked the zippiness of it. I think it just suffered because it felt like a prequel to itself. So it, it never felt like it got where it was going. It was all set up 
and very little payoff. I was profoundly bored by that film. For me, that was a GQ <laughs> magazine. There was that bit at the end of GQ where it's just guys standing around in, in nice suits and you flip through those pages. That, that was that for me for two hours or whatever it was. It was awful. Was, was it maybe a bad year for comedy? Because there weren't a lot of comedy breakout hits this year, it, mm-hmm. it feels like to me. No. I There were some decent comedies, I thought. Yeah. Um, and some comedies that weren't like Me and Earl and The Dying Girl, which is funny but also very moving. Um, and Trainwreck, I thought, Trainwreck I enjoyed an awful lot. Yeah. Um, I probably laughed the most almost in Star Wars, if anything, which kind of surprised me. It made me laugh a lot, um, especially when BB-8 starts giving people the middle... Thumbs up. The middle thumbs up, yeah. It had a lot of funny moments for me. Um, but no, it didn't feel like a classic um, year for comedy. Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants oh, accepted. Terrifying. That's one of the horror movies of the year for me. That thing was so disturbing. I just didn't understand that at all. It's hilarious. It more off. I haven't seen the film yet, but Nick keeps showing me there's a sequence in SpongeBob where Matt Berry turns up voicing an ancient dolphin. That it, 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 his, his job is to oversee <laughs> the planets to make sure that Saturn and Jupiter don't <laughs> smash into each other. And it's just Matt Berry on on Matt Berry form. And uh, it made me laugh a lot. And Nick said to me, the entire movie's like this, so I'm going to check it out at some point. That's the best bit. It's not as good as the first one, it, I'll, I'll caution you. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's weird. It kind of turns into the Avengers for the last half hour. It's, it's, live action. So, it's oh, very it's strange. It's so disturbing. It's so weird. I didn't understand what was happening. I felt discombobulated. <laughs> it made me feel funny too. But yeah. Antonio Banderas as Burger Beard, I don't think has had enough... Uh, <laughs> But I, talking of comedy, I don't think anything has made me laugh as much this year as when Chris and I went to see Big Game. <laughs> Not entirely <laughs> liberal comedy, but I, I recommend if you're going to watch something on like a Friday night after a couple of drinks, yeah, Big Game is astonishing. <laughs> you're you're right. I think you're referring specifically. We, we we talk. We said we wouldn't talk about deaths on on deaths of the year, as in character okay. deaths, because you know it, a gives away spoilers and b it's a bit a bit of a downer. But Big Game for me has. <laughs> The funniest death I've seen in a long, long time. And I hope, I really hope it's intentional. <laughs> I really do. I don't think it is. <laughs> you don't think it is. I think it is. But you don't think it is. Uh, you'll know it if you see it. <laughs> it's ludicrous in the extreme. Um, otherwise, I thought the film was pretty But poor. we can talk about the scene where Samuel L. Jackson, he, he's playing the president of the United <laughs> States. Uh, team, <laughs> he's teams up with this uh, small kind of shepherd boy. Yeah, uh, he doesn't speak much English, and yeah. to motivate, he, t- he does his motivational speech about the time he pissed himself just yes. before doing it, delivering a major address to the Senate. <laughs> and I don't think that's being played for laughs either. It's an astonishing <laughs> sequence. I reckon that will be on YouTube. So. Actually, you know what? I, I did really enjoy that film. I've also realised that um, at least in the UK, John Wick is a 2015 release. So <clears throat> John Wick, man, that was one actually one of the funniest films I saw this. Did it year make you well. laugh? Because if so, it I'm genuinely quite... did. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sometimes at people dying horribly, which you know was always <laughs> hilarious, but also just generally, you know, Keanu giving that incredibly deadpan performance in the middle yeah. of this ultra violence, I just thought it was yeah. delightful. That's, that's pointed out very, very quickly, obviously, for people who are listening to this, because we do have a few listeners across the world, and um, yeah, this is 2015 UK releases, which is why we've talked about Birdman and the Theory yeah. of Everything and films that came out in the states last year. Uh, and obviously John Wick was a US release last mm. year, but finally... It, it's also why we won't be talking about The Hateful Eight. Yes. Uh, and so on, which are the January Revenant, releases here. Joy. All the, so all the big Oscar Beatty films. Spotlight even is a, is a January it's release, a January release 2016, yeah. for us over here. It felt like a year which was start where the Bechdale test was starting to be passed a bit more than normal. And also a really uh, showcase of a lot of really, really good young actors and actresses 
and especially actresses. I thought there were some really fantastic performances. Alicia Vikander is incredibly talented. She was in every in, single in, movie in, made this she year. She was, well, so by law of averages, she was going to be outstanding <laughs> in a few of them, but she was in, outstanding in all the films she was in. Ex yeah. Machina, um, I thought she was she was phenomenal in. Um, and Belle Powley is, was a new name to me, yes. I have to say, coming to this year. Yes. A Royal Night Out, followed by Diary yeah. of a Teenage Girl. She shows she's got incredible talent yeah. as well. Yes. Um, she steals the former, but she absolutely owns the latter. That, and that is a film that I don't think a lot of people have seen necessarily because it was quite a small film. It didn't get a huge release. But Diary of a Teenage Girl, it's, is it out now on DVD? It was about to come out on DVD. Mm, so it's really about to come out. be ready. Look out for that. It's an absolutely fantastic film. Don't watch it with your mum. Quite a lot of sex scenes. But, mm. but definitely or your mum's boyfriend. Or your mum. Yeah, don't. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah. That's, that's a whole other problem but but no it was a great year for women and i think you know people had talked about it in advance because there was suffragette coming out and that's that was a handy kind of hook to to, to hang yeah. it all on but suffragette itself was i thought a bit of a disappointment it was yeah it was it was kind of the suffrage movement 101 it was very very kind of um basic storytelling i mean good performances as you would expect from that cast but it, it just felt a little bit telegraphed the whole way through um but that didn't really matter in the end because we had films like carol came out which mm. is an absolutely stunning song film mad max turned out to have a female lead which you know they they kept very much under their hats um inside out brooklyn you know there were great great roles for women this year it mm. was being talked about as a problem that there weren't enough which is in itself uh, you know a move forward and, and a kind of improvement on what we've had before and i feel like the fact that it's even in the conversation now and the fact that hollywood is coming under pressure to to hire more women to offer more opportunities is is a really big step forward. And I thought Fast and Furious Seven did a great job of highlighting all the female uh, posteriors <laughs> that are out yeah. there. That was yeah, I, that the, film got a big pass on that one. It, I no, but it it genuinely does for me because I would rather have that sort of out in the open nonsense than the kind of more insidious. Uh, sexism that you see elsewhere. I, I you know, <coughs> nobody <trying>. takes fast. <laughs> Nobody takes Fast and Furious seriously on any level, um, and if it's the I think only Vin Diesel it, does, well, yeah. <laughs> I apologise. That is correct. Apart from Vin Diesel, nobody's um, explained the joke to Vin Diesel yet. Uh, bless him. I, I, I yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, Furiosa for me was uh, amazing. One of the characters of the year. Uh, I'm a bit disappointed. I have to say that Charlize Theron does not seem to be in the Oscar running. Mm. And I know that may sound ludicrous to people's ears, but I'm sick to the back teeth of worthy performances. Yeah. And I'm sick to the back teeth of being told that a film is only eligible for an Oscar if it gets released in November or December. And I love the fact that Mad Max is actually seems to be a legitimate contender for the Best Picture Oscar and George Miller for Best Director. But I, st- I, st- I think that she owns that film in a way that I don't think I've seen a female lead do for a long time, not since I think Sigourney Weaver with Aliens. And it's not just a Sarah Connor ripoff or it's not just a, you know, she's she's rounded and she has soft edges and as well as the, the hard ruffled stuff. And I, I thought it was tremendous. I would 100% agree with that. And I would 100% agree that, that Mad Max is very much in the running for the, for the big two. Yes. Um, the one point I'd make about Best Actress is that as a result of, of all these great roles, I think for the first time in years, that is the most competitive acting category at the Oscars it this is year. Yeah. I mean, there's been a huge controversy actually among critics about Carol, uh, because the tendency is obviously always to push your bigger star for Best Actor Actress and to push your slightly less well-known star for Supporting Actor Actress. But really, it's actually Rooney Mara's film. So so there's been pressure on them to to put those... 
to both forward for Best Actress, even if it risks splitting the vote. But it's it's a phenomenal year. Emily Blunt for Sicario. Uh, we haven't talked about Room because that falls in next year uh, yeah. in the UK. The Mosasaurus. But it, that's an incredible <laughs> performance. The Mosasaurus, I mean, I think we all fell in love with her. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Joy in Inside Out. Uh, <laughs> You're a bit close to the Mosasaurus, bro, in fairness. You haven't got much cri- true, critical distance. Um, Lily Tomlin in Grandma is fantastic. Lily Tomlin in Grandma. She's a big favourite for me. And it's not really an awardsy kind of performance, but Michael Monroe in It Follows. I yeah. thought she's going somewhere and uh, it's going to be interesting seeing where she goes in the next mm. few years. It'll also be interesting to see what follows her. Oh, wow. Hopefully it's not a sex demon. That would be terrible. <laughs> that was a great film, though. It was sh- great, yeah. Uh, I mentioned to um, Catherine Woodston yes. uh, from Inherent Vice. Uh, who's great and announced herself in, in by stealing that film pretty much, even from mm. Joaquin she Phoenix. She stole the film. She stole it, Chris. I, She's looking yeah. to have it fenced. I think I said this podcast before, but I, I, you know, the minute I knew, the minute I found out that he wanted uh, that PTA and originally wanted Robert Downey Jr. for that role, I, I just there's something about Joaquin Phoenix. I, I, anyway, let's not get into it. Um, uh, you've but, said I, I yeah. like that film. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Olivia Cook in Me and Earl and mm. the Dying Girl is a fantastic Mancunian actress, but you wouldn't know it No, uh, from that, that film. I love that film. For me, it's probably one of the three or four or five-star movies of the year for, that are on my list, certainly. Whiplash and uh, Matt Max being two of the others. I'm going to do a mea culpa, an apology, public apology, uh, to Thomas Mann, who is the star of Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, because he was also the star of Project X, which is my most loathed movie of the last 20 years. And I, I, you know, I did some sort of weird curse around a cauldron a bubbling cauldron went yeah you will never amount to anything Thomas Mann but no he's fantastic in this film really really great and if you haven't seen it go and check it out Redemption. Project X Project X yeah which has a sequel next year Project Double X oh good god they're working up to Triple X aren't they <laughs> <laughs> no no they they're going to have to skip that and go straight to 4X <laughs> oh Australian sequel oh okay they're going to have to skip that and go to 5X 5X 4X is probably also a trademark bloody hell let me ask you a question. Had anyone seen a Rebecca Ferguson film before this year? No, but I will now make an effort to see all of subsequent Rebecca Ferguson films. I'm going to find out how many she was in and see what sort of a crazy... She was in TV shows. She was in The White Queen on yeah. the BBC. Right. Uh, she was in a Swedish soap opera for a few years. Hold uh, my meatballs. <laughs> um, I think it was called Lykea. Um yeah, yeah she, uh, she's probably the breakout of the year for me although you're right Catherine Waterstone as well uh, who booked Fantastic Beasts and Alien Covenant off the back mm. of an inherent vice uh, but Rebecca Ferguson seems to be you know she was just astonishing in that well to come mm. in and stand up next to Tom Cruise is a, is, a, is a pretty good way to announce yourself to the world. I mean, yes. to, to absolutely give him a run for his money, I think, on every level, is, is, a, is a pretty great way to announce yourself. So, yeah, I thought she was great. So it's been a great year for women, but was it a great year for films about people of colour? I mean, I'm, I can think of a, Selma, I, I, I thought was fantastic, mm. and I still don't know to this day how David Oyelowo didn't get, A, an Oscar nomination, and B, win the bloody thing. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I mean, that and Straight Outta Compton, I think, were the two big success is certainly here. Sorry, out of Compton, I didn't think I was going to love. I'm not a particularly huge fan of NWA and and I thought it was just just brimming with energy and, and such a such a timely film, surprisingly, given given the the, the sort of political background in the US this year. Um so so that was that was great. I mean I think numerically you're absolutely right that it has been poor in that sense. Creed I guess is out in the US again, it's not going to be here until next year, but yes. that's also I, helpful. I love that film. Mm. But I think there's also a bunch of really good, maybe less seen films, uh, seen by fewer people, but uh-huh. excellent films 
uh, Chris Rock's Top Five was fantastic. Yeah, I haven't seen it. It was Dear White it. People, which I don't think anyone really saw, but was really great. And Dope, which I just saw a couple of weeks ago. But mm. I mean, these are all these are all very high quality films, and mm. they and a lot of them, you know, Dear White People takes racism on head on, yeah, and has some really smart stuff to say about it. So I thought it was a, I thought it was a good year in, in terms of that. I thought there was real progress. But there's certainly not in terms of like, for example, the the Oscar likely Oscar nominees this year. There are almost no people of color. It's it's going to be a very yeah. white list, and with Chris Rock hosting the Oscars, I think he's going to rightly pick up on that. That's yeah. I mean, that's a problem with with the awards in general. Yeah. I think rather than the films that are coming out. But it's good to see the, these kind of films coming out. Also, I think you could maybe extend that to blockbusters as well. I'm yeah. struggling to think of really great roles for people of color in in. Mad Max, Mission Impossible, Just Roman Pierce, Avengers. The fast movies are are fantastic in that in that respect, definitely. Yeah, and and in many other respects, too. and in many other respects <laughs> as well. In defying um, the laws of, but physics. you're getting you're getting blockbusters as well, where race is becoming less of a deal. Like Focus came out, and it's Will Smith and yeah. Margot Robbie are a couple, and it's not commented upon. And yeah. you know, I think that's not something that's always been true. That's yeah. absolutely so. right. It was a very big deal when he made Hitch that he was playing against. Um, Eva Mendes as a light-coloured woman because that was a sort of seen as a taboo in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I'm glad that we're getting past that stage, but I think we've certainly got a long way to go. Absolutely. And speaking of focus, I know Nick has one of your favourite scenes of the year. It's just a film. It's a film that most people think would overlook, and you know, it's a, it's a fun, f- frothy confection. There's not a lot of substance to it, but you absolutely love it. It's a sequence you you adore, isn't there? Yeah, it's a pretty average film, but there, there's a scene uh, at an American football game with yeah. B.D. Wong, your classmate, my my my, <laughs> my fellow uh, star. Yeah, it involves a Rolling Stones song, and it's very clever. Uh, what about other favourite sequences of the year? What what really what really tickled your fancy? We all know I love the church scene in, in Kingsman. I'll mention it again. Um, we haven't even mentioned really Star Wars any of this stuff. Yeah, but... there's there's a lot to say. Um, <clears throat> I mean, uh, Avengers, the party scene, apart from anything else, I've I've always said that I would watch the Avengers sit around a table and talk for two hours and, and have that be the third film. <laughs> um, and, and that was as close as I'm probably going to get, you know, five minutes at the beginning. But I absolutely loved that. Um, I would say as well something like uh, the Martian uh the Council of Elrond scene was pretty magic. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> um, but honestly, I, I adored that entire film. I just thought it was... I love films about a, a group of clever people trying to do a good thing. I think that that kind of man on a mission movie is absolutely up my street. And so The Martian was, was one of my films of the year for, as a result of that because I just thought it was so charming and, uh, and so clever. How many am I allowed to pick from The Water Diviner? Uh, None. I okay. think, I all, think right. all of them. No, go on, pick one. No, no, no. There is, there is, there is nothing. Sorry, Ross. No, it's not. It's not a terrible film. It's, it's okay. Just not quite. Sorry, right. I yeah. can't remember anything specific. But the traffic jam in Sicario uh, yeah. could be my number one. It's the music. It's got this throbbing kind of heartbeat, doomy bass. And I did see this film in the loudest screening I think I've ever been to. I think my teeth are still rattling. <laughs> but that's an astonishing action sequence. Wish it had been a bit longer, to be honest. I'm going to say something in defence of Chappie. I thought the the battle at the end with the moose was good. I that was <laughs> we well. should point out the moose is like a, a massive uh, exoskeleton suit, not an actual Canadian animal. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just uh, although that would actually be a really good scene. A I've never moose. seen a robot fight a moose. Chippy improved film. It's essentially uh, Hugh Jackman with a mullet sitting in a chair, controlling a giant uh, uh, robo thing. And I, I I liked elements of that film, and that was one of them. Yeah, what else have we got. Uh, do, sorry, sorry, do you know what else I'd say is. Steve Jobs, I thought the confrontations with Wozniak were absolutely terrific. I, I don't know when this happened, but somehow Seth Rogen became my favourite thing in that in that film, and I thought their 
their confrontations better than any other scenes in the film I thought really really worked for me mm. well, film, uh, it's uh, a big spoiler but um, the end of Slow West I thought was fantastic oh okay. god yes um, the whole film was a real uh, a lovely surprise I don't think anyone saw that coming John John McClane the uh, previously the Beta Band and it was his first film um, he'd done short films before uh, and that one was absolutely joyous um, I don't think anyone's going to be surprised to hear me name checking Roy Anderson at this point in the podcast. <laughs> oh no! But a pigeon sat on a branch, reflecting on existence, was amazing. There was pigeon. a bit where the pigeon was on the branch. There was a bit where the pigeon. There was a bit where the pigeon was on a branch. Strangely, yeah. But my favourite moment in it, which is a, a, incredibly out of context from the rest of the film and surreal, is when um, I'm embarrassed. I can't remember which one, but a Swedish monarch on his way to a battle. And bear in mind, this is set in contemporary Sweden. Marches his army past a cafe when. Uh, in no, to, to no one's sort of obvious shock, he kind of brings his horse in and asks to use the loo. He sends one of his footmen to find out if the loo's available and reports back that unfortunately it's occupied. <laughs> <laughs> and so he has to wait. It's just so incredibly off the wall and surreal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's... it's uh, I believe that, that was Carl the Twelfth. Oh, oh, you good, know that? Good. I've just looked it up. Oh, okay. oh, you shouldn't have given it away. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But it, no, I, I was uh, extraordinarily sceptical of that <clears> film because unlike you, Phil, I'm not a hardcore art house fan, but it was hilarious. Yes. And moving and and really, really good. I'm not a hardcore fan of Roy Anderson's work in general, but I really like that one, especially yeah. that moment. Oh, the opening of Wild Tales. The very first, the kind of the prologue to yeah. the film. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I, I don't do. want to say much more about it, but it's set on a plane. That That is and a film uh, that was very unlucky not to make our top 20 um, of the year. A lot of, a lot of our writers voted for it, and uh, it's well worth tracking down. A film that surprised me actually in our top 20 of the year I really liked it and I'm glad it's on there it was a most violent year I had a couple of great scenes in it I think for me Jessica Chastain we have talked about her yeah. what an amazing year for her as well just mm. great uh, but there's an amazing sequence where there's a food chase which is a great great food chase but I love the sequence where Oscar Isaac uh, goes in to meet the people responsible for his troubles and doesn't threaten them mm. he just asks him to stop Yes. I love that scene. And it's also the year of Oscar Isaac, let's be honest. Yeah. Oscar a, Isaac, Jessica Chastain, Alicia Vikander in all the movies, please, forevermore. And Donald Gleeson and also Donald Gleeson. four and films, Monroe. I think, this year. Basically, everyone who was in Ex Machina. Yeah. Plus. Plus Michael Monroe. There you go. And Chappie. Yeah. <laughs> Chappie in top 20 of the year? No, Chappie. No. What, <laughs> what did Dan Stevens do this year? Uh, he uh, And made, then he rested. He made Beauty and the Beast. Okay. He chiseled those abs. Okay. And he got ready to come back as a spirit animal next year. He's still our spirit animal, though, is he? He hasn't been replaced by no, he has. Mike we Monroe. Would never. Although Oscar Isaac is pretty close to, I think, to replacing him. It's the thing, Stevens. You snooze, you lose. I have another scene I wanted to mention. Can I do that? It's a film I loved. Again, I'm putting myself in the ghetto. Force Majeure. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. It's fine. Force Majeure is a really, really, really good movie. And uh, the, it's basically premised around a family uh, going away to the Alps for a holiday and there being an avalanche. Um, unbeknownst to them a controlled avalanche the husband panics and he runs away brave Sir Robin style in the middle of <laughs> leaving his wife and two young kids basically to fend for themselves um, and the snow shrouds the screen as it as it kind of envelops them and then he creeps back from the, right of the frame and sits down again as if nothing's happened and then the film picks up from there and uh, and shows the kind of fallout from that but um, yeah that one Has there been an avalanche in a Fast and Furious movie yet? 
It's coming. It's like, coming. It feels it's like it should coming. be. Yeah. They're in New York next. It's yeah, got to happen. New York has <laughs> lots of snow just waiting around. So much. One we haven't mentioned yet, which is actually in our top 20 of the year, is Song of the Sea, which had one of my favourite sequences because the end of that movie, I think, is incredibly uh-huh. uh, powerful. Now, this is from Cartoon Saloon, who this tiny Irish animation house. Well, less and less tiny, I guess, because they they have now had two features... I think they've only made two features and they've both been Oscar nominated. So they are right up there with the big daddies. They're right up there with Pixar, with DreamWorks. With Chris Milladandri. With... <laughs> mm. And, and you know, they're doing fantastically well and they are, they are telling their own personal, very Irish, very beautiful stories. And it's absolutely brilliant to see, of course. To see that. Because I think we, we get used to talking about the big daddies and it's good to see s- someone else really making an impact like this Agreed. And, and really coming through. Of course, back home, we call it Onimation. With a we don't. Oh, no. What about what about Rogue Nation? What what about Rogue Nation? And the Opera House scene in Rogue Nation in particular. Yes, I will accept that. Is that okay? I will accept that. (laughs) I will also accept uh, something I'm going to put forward. Okay, you're going to accept the thing that you're suggesting. (laughs) Yes, that's big. It's how it works, Phil. Okay, what is it? How to explain this beforehand? The uh, 20 minute absolutely bonkers Azerbaijan. Bus chase sequence in Fast Seven. Oh God, yes. Which is just utterly demented, and ends with that great shot of Paul Walker running up the car and trying to jump off the the uh, cliff. And then no, it actually ends with Finn Diesel. Yeah, he just drives off the. He just drives mountain. off the cliff like a, What are you doing? I preferred the uh, the the car going from one skyscraper to another. That was oh. And then another one. It, yeah. was the, it was the second one that just killed me because it's like, that's not enough. <laughs> that's not enough. You're going to do it again. I liked it, it when so I liked it when the rock flexed and his and the cast on his arm shattered and then he drove a truck into a drone. He kicked a drone in my memory. <laughs> so that probably didn't happen. Picked, picked up a minigun oh, yeah. and shot down a helicopter. He ate, he ate the drone and everything on it. Oh, oh on the, the rock. Let me ask you a question. What films this year made you cry and why I mean virtually all the ones inside out so because I have issues <laughs> unresolved also you were in the Profound rarefied issues. air of a plane I was I was in a plane which rarefied never, never uh, kind of helped Star Wars made me cry I watched Star Wars, um, Star Wars last made night me cry. and uh, I can't say what made me cry but uh, actually I've seen it twice and sure, sure. I cried both times uh, me, Star Wars for me as well definitely inside out for me as well The Martian but it was more tears of joy frankly uh, I cry at a lot of films, but it was. Uh, Did you good cry movie. when John Wick's puppy? Oh goodness, the puppy! Did uh, anyone weep with no, Anthony the Ant in Ant Man? I didn't weep. I, no. I wailed. <laughs> I, I, you rent your clothes and yeah, I, I tore. I've got there was gnashing t-shirt. of teeth. It's got biblical. <laughs> I've got through more T-shirts watching the film. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not a huge crier mm. in films. You're very um, repressed. You're I, very buttoned up and. and did uh, yeah, I cry the minute this podcast finishes, but <laughs> Me and Earl and the Dying Girl uh, destroyed me, uh, part because I've got experience in that area. But I think, honestly, and this may sound really strange, but the farewell to Paul Walker sequence at the end of yeah. Fast 7, and I know, it's, I know it's a big, dumb blockbuster, but there was something really poignant about that scene towards the end, uh, which, which ripped me apart. And there's a sequence in Selma which just rent me asunder where a young uh, black guy has been killed by white cops in Selma and his dad his elderly dad is just 
gobsmacked and doesn't quite understand what's happened and doesn't understand why it's happened. And Martin Luther King has to try and explain to him why your son has been killed. And it just absolutely, oh my God, it just, yeah. Things involving parents Deep. and children tend to absolutely slay me, to be honest. And yet Inside Out left me completely dry as a bone. That is because you have no soul. <laughs> Um, Brooklyn I also find pretty emotional just yes. because it is extraordinarily good in, in conveying what it is to be Irish Amy uh, Amy was pretty upsetting especially when it gets into the second half and you get into the, the decline and, and just you mm. want someone to help her and step in and, and yeah it's, it's quite upsetting it's really well done yeah. and Beyond the Lights actually also has some great moments very, very emotional moments great great performances in that as well I was in tears several times during Terminator Genesis. Um, <laughs> and I have to say, when I realised that uh, we wouldn't see Edmund again, uh, Jurassic World takes on a really bittersweet tone <laughs> towards the end. We don't know Chris, that. Edmund will always be right here. <laughs> in here. You don't want to know what I'm pointing at. Oh my God, your, your finger just lit up and glowed. Edmund has to go home now. No, I, didn't, I don't remember weeping in any films, but certainly there was a tear welling in my eye when I just witnessed my brother sitting through the entire end credits of Jurassic World until the lights came up and people started sweeping around him, still waiting for his name <laughs> to appear. Um, but that turned out to be an error. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. That's horrible. It's, it's there. Uh, tears of, it was a tear it. of pride. We it just missed it. No, we didn't miss I, it. I have a credit on the uh, the only film, because I, I worked between uh, university and starting at Empire, I worked uh, briefly as a kind of runner and then as a post-production assistant on a few films, and I have my name in the credits of one film. That film is Tomb Raider, The Cradle <laughs> of Life. <laughs> Could you not take your name off? It? <laughs> <laughs> What's going so there on? There we go. So, Tomb Raider: of The Cradle of Life is that the one with Daniel Craig, or was that the other one? It's Jared Butler. It was Jared Butler. Jared, Jared Butler. Butler. You're the only sibling I have to reach through IMDb Pro <laughs> these days. I told uh, Jared Butler that once when I interviewed him. I told him I was I, my name was in the credits for him. Ah, oh, yeah, unlucky butter. <laughs> 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 he didn't have a good time on it either. <laughs> anyway. Oh, bless him. Right, so. Hidden gems. Hidden gems. Hidden gems. Well, I'd mentioned Song of the Sea again. Yeah. Because I'm always going to... Films um, that nobody else saw that you really want to champion. There I have some, a few. <clears throat> there were some really good documentaries this year uh, that are worth mentioning. Um, obviously, Amy wasn't a hidden gem because it was a massive hit and people loved it. But Palio was very good about mm-hmm. the uh, the horse race in Siena. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked a film about the Russian-Soviet ice hockey team called Red Army, um, which I enjoyed very much. Um, which is worth tracking down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to shout out to The Tale of Princess Kaguya, which is the um, Studio Ghibli film, and it is astonishing. that It's it's sort of animated in the style of classical Japanese art, like classical watercolours, mm-hmm. and you've never seen anything like it, and it's a, a sort of an old Japanese legend. It's beautiful. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Housebound, which is a, a Kiwi horror comedy, um, which is just demented, and Peter Jackson loves it and you can kind of see why because it's <laughs> it's reminds you of his early stuff it's not as gory as his early stuff but it's it's got that same kind of mad flavor to it what chappy get shout out no no, <laughs> no, no chappy. chappy doesn't get a shout out um, uh, how on. about also the voices uh, which i don't think a lot of people you and I disagree on this i know I, I think it's i mean listen i think it's weird and and mm-hmm. strange and unnatural and and wrong in many ways but it it's kind of fascinating i think it's worth Watching. I didn't like the voices at all. I have to say, no, um, I had I had problems I, with it. Um, I admired that it was trying to do what it was doing, and that it was as went as far as it did because it yeah, does go it really, very yeah. far. But it wasn't for me mm. necessarily. 
Uh, Xavier Dolan, who's seven, um, <laughs> directed Mummy, which is, uh, I think it's his fifth feature film, and another cracker, really punchy and visceral. It's got a soundtrack that would appeal to people into the Britpop scene, bizarrely, um, about a troubled child and his and his mum and a friend. It's shot in a really unusual, what I'd call like the play school square window format, basically a one-one ratio. Um, which I've never seen before. I'm not sure it's even been done before. But that was <laughs> that was a cracking film, I thought. Uh, it Follows was the real kind of early surprise that came from nowhere. But we've sort of talked about that. I don't even know if that classifies as a underseen. I think so. I, I've, I've got a couple. I, I really liked, uh, in terms of comedies as well, I really I really liked Bill, uh, which was the Horrible Histories Yonderland team's uh, Shakespeare comedy, which is a lot of great puns and a lot of stuff going forward. It's got a lovely... Family Five, and that's that's a good one to seek out. Not in the Paddington class, but it's it's good family fun. But I really loved Super Bob, which is a, a very low budget, I mean, really micro budget, low uh, British film uh, comedy about a British superhero. Um, and I know how that sounds, um, but the film itself is sweet and authentic and adorable and romantic and overcomes its budgetary limitations. It basically follows the superhero on his day off in a sort of documentary style, although that quickly goes away. And I thought it, it really promising uh, for the director John Drever and uh, its star and co-writer Brett Goldstein. I really thought it's fantastic. And it's got one of my moments of the year as well. It's a sort of gorgeous sequence in, a, in an old people's home of all places. But it's really great. If you haven't seen that, go and check it out. You were a fan of Creep, weren't you, bro? Oh yeah, Creep is, Creep is very good. I caught that on Netflix recently. Uh, that is another horror movie. Um, Mark Duplass as a, a, a very uh, twisted individual who has an alter ego, Peach Fuzz. I won't say anything else, but it's, it's pretty twisted. Uh, and two more shouts out. One of them is another kind of horror uh-huh. thriller, which is The Gift, Joel Edgerton, yes. uh, both directed and starred in, which has maybe got the darkest twist in a film I've seen this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah, don't yeah. want to say anything else, yeah. but... I really enjoyed that. I saw that on a plane recently. And also The Overnight. Uh, oh, yes. Um, which, I don't Oof. know. Is it a spoiler to say that there is a gigantic penis in it? No. Yeah, it has a gigantic penis in it. A lot of penises in films this year. It's been a really great year for penises. Was <laughs> it? Yeah. Uh, so there's a big floppy one in uh, Finn's Fawn's Unfinished Business, which is meant to belong to Nick Frost. And then there's, isn't there one in Get Hard? Where Will Ferrell is trying... Because he has to. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> I don't oh, have any idea. You have the ledger. I we yeah. I do. You're right. Hang on. You are just, the keeper of the penis ledger. Let me just. Um, yes. But yeah. So well done, penises. Uh, it's been a, it's been a banner year for you. A real standout year for penises. Oh. Um, but yeah. Well we done. watched the overnights together. You, me, and Ali Plum, mm-hmm. Helen, yep. sat down in a row, and I, it was the most excruciating <laughs> of my life. It was just horrifically awkward in that particular moment with uh, Adam, Adam Scott, Scott mm. um, which you have to see to believe. Well, the setup is that there's a couple, uh, a regular couple, and they befriend um, another couple who, inc- who invite them around to their house and become increasingly flirtatious, <laughs> and it becomes apparent they want to have sex with them. And so it's. It, Unravels over that night, and it's just uh, it's it's pretty funny. <laughs> I love Adam Scott. Yeah. I think it's it is, fantastic. It is a really yeah, it's a really really funny film. Got one more, um, Eden. Mm. Eden, mm-hmm. a film about uh, it's a sad, really quite melancholy movie about a uh, a French house DJ um, and the passing of time. Basically, mm. it's a film about the passing of time, but with awesome music. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we're talking about hidden gems. 
Terminator gent now. So let's talk very, very quickly uh, about a couple of things. Soundtracks, best soundtrack of the year or a favorite track of the year. Is there, is there a track that you have just never left, has never left your iPod since, uh, since you've heard it? iPod, my like favorite. in 1993. <laughs> my favorite use of music was probably in The Martian, just because it was, it's so wittily on the nose. Like, like at one, you know, he's, he's going to uh, drive to his kind of last chance to escape Mars and he's playing Waterloo because <laughs> it's, the, it's the big deal. You know, when he brings back the radioactive isotope that's going to help him power everything he needs to power um they play hot stuff mm. it's it's just hilarious the music having said that i'm not that big a disco fan so i haven't exactly been listening to it on repeat i just think it's great use of music i'm in context. still mystified okay. by the fact that they went with spaceman by david bowie and not life on mars <laughs> i know that would be even more on the nose but yeah. <laughs> come on if you're gonna go that way you do life on mars also, even, I mean, even robert smickers would go that's a bit on but I mean, spoiler! Over the end credits, they play "I Will Survive." It's just brilliant. Wow. So good. Yeah. I got a few. I really like the, the actual score for the Martian as well. Yeah, as, alongside the, the disco stuff by Harry Grigson Williams. Um, the uh, Jed Kurzel, um, who is Justin Kurzel's brother, his score for Macbeth probably not one for like Christmas, Christmas <laughs> carols time. Uh, jarring and a bit discordant, but really perfect for the film. I love jarring um, and discordant. Uh, Jeff Barrow from Portishead and Ben Salisbury, who I believe did the Dread score, um, did Ex Machina, which is another cracker. Duke of Burgundy. Was it? Was that uh, Cat's yeah. Eyes? Cat's Eyes, yeah. The mm. dude from The Horrors, Fadwan. Fadwan? Mm. Faris Fadwan. Amazing. That's the first time we've mentioned Duke of Burgundy on the, on the podcast. I love the track I think I played more than any this year. I love Solomon Lane from uh, Joe Kramer's Mission Impossible score. But... I, I played the opening track, the A400, I think, more than anything else this year because uh, Mission Impossible starts with about 87 different production company credits at the beginning. And so to to relieve the tedium during that part, Joe Kramer builds the Mission Impossible theme, but really well. It's just absolutely, I love the way he does that. So I've listened to that bit lots. It is a good score. Very good score. Well, San Andreas, track five. Uh, quite <laughs> no, I, I have not, I have not got that score. Also, I was listening to uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens and I sat through the credits the first time I watched it because I wanted to make sure there wasn't uh, a sting at the end. I, I was reviewing it after all for Empire and I had to make sure. And I was just sitting there thinking, this, this John Williams fella, he's a bit good, isn't he? He's going places. I mean, now I know that James was complaining that there's no knockout sort of duel of the fates piece in this movie but I think there are cues there there are sort of mm. riffs on existing uh, themes that he's done there are, there are kind of developments of existing themes that he's done that I think are absolutely beautiful the score oh. over the last five minutes of the film in particular yeah. Yeah. I think is absolutely beautiful I think the, the the score that I've noticed the most while watching a film was Sicario, partly because it was so loud but <laughs> also I just thought they did a genius job of just very minimal very bassy very doomy and kind of just the whole film it adds so much to that film I can't imagine it with a different score mm, same goes for Mad Max Fury Road Tom Holken, Holkenberg Junkie XL Holkenberg Smash yeah Holkenberg Smash exactly it is good and uh, a soundtrack I've never been able to put on in the office more than two minutes before someone tells me to turn it off Whiplash <laughs> That's because you're playing at the wrong speed. <laughs> was the, he dragging or was he rushing? Uh-huh. The nine and a half minute caravan uh, at the end of the film is a fantastic, fantastic track. And if you're a fan of drum solos, and who isn't, um, <laughs> as a man who has occasionally spent time on YouTube just watching drum solos, um, 
it's it's great, fantastic. So let's talk very very quickly. Let's not be too self-aggrandizing about it. But <laughs> our, our experiences of the year. I mean, was there something that stood out? Someone you met, a set you were on, something you did. Helen is looking at me incredibly smugly right now. What was it? I was on set. Can I say what I was on set of? I probably can. Can I? Did it rhyme with Shapton and Shamerica, Shmirov, Shmore? It might have done. <laughs> well, then I came from my mouth, not yours. I think yeah. you have successfully passed the NDA, <laughs> top lawyer Helen O'Hara. If I had been on such a set, that would have been one of the great days. <laughs> All right, good, good. Phil Cat. Going to Comic-Con. This is amazing. I wish I'd been following you with the camera. Comic-Con. I really loved it. I had a great time. Really great time. I have such happy memories. I just have this image of you being like Marcus and Indiana Jones. And <laughs> you Oscar did that with Damon, <laughs> didn't you? Damon Wise, when he went to Comic-Con, it was all like, yeah. Were, were you Mar- dressed up no, as- was that in Cannes, Marcus Brody. Can, yeah. Were you dressed up as a Criterion Collection Goddard? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I cosplayed as death from... Um, seventh Seal. From the Seventh Seal, but people thought mistaken, I was yeah. from Wayne's World too, so that kind of worked. <laughs> um, but no. Bill really and Ted's book is so yeah, much fun. Oh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, what did oh, I say? Wayne's World 2? Sorry, it's been a long year. Yourself. Not excellent. Uh, Phil and I sat in this very room with Alan freaking Rickman, and if that is not the best thing that happened to me this year, then I don't know what is, because that was amazing. We got to annoy him slightly with questions about Die Hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then I had a kind of an Independence Day experience, because I went out to Los Angeles, and I saw Jeff Goldblum playing jazz, not for, not for work, just for fun. And I got to hug him afterwards. He's the greatest. He was there. He was reading out people's Instagram. uh, (laughs) He was reading out Instagram comments that people had left under his posts. And then he was also reading out anything that people gave him to read. So he was reading out text messages. Someone had a book in their bag, so he read a page. He was uh, trying to link actors to himself. He was trying to do that five degrees thing. And then afterwards, he was like, I'm just going to stand in the middle of the room. Uh, uh, come Come and meet me. And, you know, he was so cool. And then the next morning, I interviewed Will Smith. So... I, wow. was gonna, I was going to uh, talk to Randy Quaid as well to make it a trio, but I was too frightened. <laughs> That's awesome. Right. I too met Goldblum this year. It was amazing. He complimented me on my jacket. He, he felt the sleeve went, hmm, that's a nice jacket. Mm. Um, and that was great. I had my picture taken with him, which is really unprofessional, but it's Jeff bloody Goldblum, for the love <laughs> of God. The Chris McQuarrie spoiler special was amazing. And I too was on set of a superhero film that I probably cannot name. And that was uh, an interesting experience. Uh, but look out for the coverage of that next year in Empire Magazine when a certain film hits. Oh, I got to put my hand in some slime as well. Some actual Ghostbusters Keep your slime. sex life stuff out of it. <laughs> we don't need that. It's a family show. It's really sticky. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a cracking year, uh, but has it also been a cracking year for terrible films? Yes. <laughs> it's been so good for bad films. <laughs> yeah, what a bit of oh, it makes puts a skip of joy in my heart. <laughs> Um, how bad some of the films were that we had to sit through. <laughs> I like dogs. I've always loved dogs. Oh, my word. Jupiter Ascending. Oh, oh that was amazing. Oh, Jupiter Descending. I mean, I'm going to defend Jupiter Ascending a little don't. bit. Really? Don't. Really? Yeah. Don't. I mean, it was it was hilarious, though, in its badness. Like, I, I know, really enjoyed but, its badness. But it wasn't pan levels of badness, it, which was just... That scene. Oh, so many scenes in pan... But, pan, yeah. I think Pan, I mean, Pan, they had some really beautiful designs. Like Every time I'd be like, oh my God, I'm so done with this film. Something really beautiful would happen. I'd be like, oh, that's really pretty. And I'd be kind of back on board for like two minutes and then I'd get bored again. I think both Jupiter Ascending and Pan are examples of really interesting directors having a go at it and, and missing 
by a mile. <laughs> uh, at least they had a go at, at it. At least they had a go. Yeah. Uh, whereas something like Terminator Genesis, where, which is the worst kind of studio-mandated, uh, you know, written by committee crap, uh, it just that annoyed me. I think but, it's the first yeah. time I booed a, a post-credit sting. It was just such. It was just like. Remind you know, me again of the post credit thing. Oh, it's essentially just the Skynet booting back up again, and you just oh, go, for the love "Well, of Zeus. thanks for wasting two hours of my life." Like you know, that was oh. a. It was just there was no imagination or invention. It was just like it was basically they might as well have put a sign up going, "We'll make you another one of these. Deal with it." I, I, I feel we're ending on a downer. <laughs> I, no, I do. I do feel like that studios are maybe trying a little bit too hard to create these franchises and create these extended universes without first creating a film that makes us want to learn more. So there's an element in some films of that, uh, Terminator Genesis being mm. the worst if one. You're, if you're making a film just because you, you, you can. Just because you have the rights yeah. at the moment, yeah. And Fantastic Four, I think, was, was obviously oh. another example of that. You know, Hey, we've got some IP. Yeah, there was... there were The, the Sony hack opened up quite a lot of cans of worm-shaped things um, and it showed how you know there was a few interesting films this year in the sense that they, they had really talented people attached to them and you know good casts and such like I mean Aloha in the case of the Sony hack that was a film that that you know it's a Cameron Crowe movie had a really good cast some unusual casting decisions but you could see when the emails leaked not that we read them but you know that there was a problem emerging and the film that arrived was sort of it was DOA really and the same applied to Peter Bogdanovich's return she's oh, yeah. funny that way it was not funny and and not one that you'd you'd necessarily want to go out of your way to watch on DVD and accidental love which was another that started oh, off the as David a, a Russell David movie. a Russell film and ended up with an Adam Smithy and being genuinely terrible, terrible. Yeah, but um, that, that's a unique one because that the, the, the money ran out while mm. they were filming, and yeah, and then they and then the yeah, and then someone else bought it and just hacked it together with yeah. sellotape and without David Russell say so, Blue Peter style, and then released it without a say so and had his name removed. But yeah, those were three real clunkers. I don't think that Fantastic Four was genuinely terrible. I just thought it was dull. I think uh, it was pretty terrible. But it was, it, yeah, there were there were terrible elements as well, but it was really dull and I just, um, I think that, that it, it's infamous because of the Josh Trank meltdown and the, and the tweet. But otherwise, I think it's just one of those movies that should really pass unremarked. It, you know, obviously, it, 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 it kiboshed a franchise before it even got off the ground, but um, otherwise, I don't think it was... I think was, that's another... I think there were a few films. That was one of the films this year that was a prequel to itself. I mean, again, like Man from Uncle. Although I, I would take Man from Uncle over Fantastic Four any day of the week. Yeah, same here. But that, those two, and Terminator, they were all, all putting the franchise ahead of the film. And I think you can't really do that and survive. But there were so many good films as well. There were so many great films. Uh, so we're going to finish off. I'm going to run down our top twenty of the year. Okay, and I just want yays and nays from you guys. And if you disagree vehemently, uh, then let me know. All right. All right. Here we go. Twenty. Jurassic Jurassic World Jurassic World Nah yes. Helen's meh Nick is For me For me uh, <laughs> He's in the He's in the, the, the Mosasaur tank I'm not going to promote myself again um, But for me The last 20 minutes I think Elevated it Because for me That was my satisfying Third act of any of the blockbusters It just was exactly What I wanted to see From a, a Jurassic World movie and Okay I loved it and, and the scene with Chris Pratt Riding the motorcycle With the raptors All around him With that music was maybe my favourite moment in the cinema. I just, for me, I loved it. Wow, wow, wow. But I'm a big Jurassic Park geek. You are so. you're a massive Jurassic Park uh, nerd. Um, I, I will say very, very briefly, I don't understand still, to this day, the hatred for that film. Uh, it got I've explained it to you at length. Apart. But there are people out there who said, you know, worst film of the year, 
okay, worst sequel right. ever made. That level of hatred. Okay, that's crazy. Don't get that. 19, Song of the Sea. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 18, one I disagree with, Inherent Vice. Yes. yes. No, Two strong I'll yeses. No. Okay. We get, the, we get the casting vote. No. So no, no, that's, no, that's no. been taken out. 17, Brooklyn. Yes. Very good film. 16, Macbeth, the yes. Scottish yes. film. Yes. I, yes. I didn't like it. Oh. oh. I, I, think I, a, I think I have a problem with Macbeth in general. I don't like him. He's a bit of a nasty, isn't he? He's a... Oh, come on. Pull your act together, you big... 15, Avengers, Age of Ultron. Yes. With a few reservations, (laughs) yes. I really liked it. I I, I really did. Too Um, long. Way too long. You're too long. Yeah. (laughs) You've got too many characters. (laughs) You've got an unsatisfactory third act. Mm. Uh, 14, (laughs) White God. Now, this is a surprising one to... Because we should explain that the everybody every empire writer cast votes and so yes. it's all collated and stuff. But yeah, no, I, I didn't realize this many. I wouldn't have thought this many people would have seen it. But. Yes, every empire uh, writer, including freelancers, uh, is asked to submit their top ten of the year, and then a weighting system is given to it. So your number one film of the year is given ten points, your number ten film of the year is given one point, and so on. Then they are uh, collated and tallied up, and then we have the top. And then 10. I throw that list away and I put all the foreign films <laughs> yeah, to the top. Basically, thirteen Mission Impossible. Yes, yes, decent. Liked it, liked it, didn't love it. Oh, uh, you. you me and Earl and the Dying Girl 12. Yeah. Yep. Pretty, yep. Yep. I uh, love it enough for all of us, Chris. <laughs> I do, actually. Uh, 11, Birdman. Enjoyed. Mm. I'm, I'm not without reservation, but I did enjoy it. I need to see it again. It gave me a bit of a headache at the time. I'm not a fan. In the Battle of the Films with the, the jazzy drum soundtrack, I think that comes out a very distant second for me. Fair enough. Uh, 10, A Most Violent Year, which I'm surprised yeah. it's so high on the Me list. too, it's me too. But I, yes, very good. Number 9, Carol. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And number eight, it follows. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, number seven, The Martian. Hell yeah. Mm. Where? Six, yes. the film that should have been called The King of France, Steve Jobs. Yeah. yeah. Surprised yeah. by how good that was. Number five, Sick Ario. Yes. Wait, this was the year Steve Jobs came out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly dawned on me. Can we do the whole podcast again? Which <laughs> yeah, was the best year ever. We'll upgrade the podcast. Really good, yeah. Steve Jobs. Great script. Number four, Ex Machina. Yes. yes. Mm. Three, Inside Out. Hell I, yes. I want to say with Ex Machina, um, that Ex Machina and Mad Max Fury Road that may or may not be in this list were probably the two films that most filmmakers love, seem to love. Yeah. When you talk to them about what they've seen, they, those are the ones that keep coming up. Two, Whiplash. Yeah. Yeah. One, Mad Max Fury Road. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I will say very, very briefly, this, this poll was taken before Star Wars The Force Awakens came out, which is why it's not in our top 20 of the year. But I'm going to ask just now, the four of us, would it be in your top 10 of the year? Helen. Yeah, I think so. I think or, so. Um, lower half, probably, because I don't see, you know, my Inside Outs and my Martians moving too much. And obviously Furious 7 is in there as well for me. Oh, it is. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to apologise for that well, again. I have all four Marvel movies this year <laughs> on my list, and we're only two produced this year, so <laughs> that's how much I'm in the tank for them. Um, Phil? Uh, uh, top 20. Top 20? Yes. Okay. Nick? Yeah, it might just about squeeze into the top ten. I had I had some issues with it, but but I love the uh, the beginning and the end. Got some issues with the middle. Okay, uh, it wouldn't be in my top ten. But, <gasps> but there you go. All right, that is it. 
Thank you so much, guys, for joining us. That is it for our Review of the Year special. Uh, join us every Friday, of course. We're back on January 8th with the regular podcast, and then every Friday thereafter, we will have spoiler specials and special interviews, hopefully all the way through 2016. Join us next year, this time next year, for a 2016 Review of the Year special. Oh, I just think maybe we should... Just a big thank you to everyone for listening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We love, we love uh, the listeners. <laughs> Merry Christmas. We do. One we and do. all. We do. I think I think this is out after Christmas. Yeah, after so that's Merry a, Christmas that's next, year. next year. Merry ne- Merry next Christmas. Merry, Merry Easter. Have a have a happy new year. Uh, it's goodbye from Helen. Happy New Year. <laughs> uh, from Phil. Merry Christmas. Oh my God, you're late. Oh God, done it again. Uh, goodbye. Have an excellent Yom Kippur. That was Nick. And it's goodbye from me. Uh, as ever, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we literally couldn't do this without you guys tuning in in your in your dozens. <laughs> Really shot up this year, the Fury figures. Really happy with it. Yeah, wow. I know them all personally now. Uh, it's great, but no, seriously, guys, it's it's uh, always a pleasure doing this podcast. And thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next year. Bye bye.